mortgages can be a dry subject. So here's your oasis in the desert. It's the podcast that will get you talking and thinking, or more likely drinking. The Lennon to his McCartney, the Bert to his Ernie. It's the one and only Mortgage Stew and his sidekick Martin at the LM Experience. Hi there, welcome to the LM Experience. It's episode 50 today, Martin. The Big 5-0? It is. Have you brought a cake? I don't know, we should have a party. We should have a party. We can't do that, can we? (laughs) Yeah, party for two. (laughs) How are you, you, Stu? You alright? Yeah, I'm good. Not so bad. bad. We mentioned the football, are we just moving swiftly on? No, Athletics was on telly last night. Let's move move swiftly on. Um, Right, episode 50, well, episode 50, it calls for what I would suggest is an industry legend. Indeed. As a guest, and I think it's probably fair to say that our guest today is an industry legend legend mm-hmm. we have mr roger morris group distribution director from one savings bank hi guys this is a real pleasure to be <laughs> oh. on your 50th episode how about that roughly my age <laughs> very rough perfect yeah, give or take 10 years how are you roger <laughs> i'm really good good uh, really good really healthy and yeah. you two look amazing today well thank you very much checks in the post well thanks for coming in roger we know you're busy you're always out somewhere glad ragging and shaking hands and having breakfast and having lunch somewhere so i'm glad you managed to squeeze us in today for uh, for 10 or 15 minutes because you're probably one of the most uh, recognized and well-known people in the in in the industry would you say that's fair no, I wouldn't. I've just been lucky to have known a lot of really immense people over the years, and it's an industry I'm privileged to be in. What um, What is your back? Because everyone knows you from, you know, you Mr. Social Media um, uh, at, at Precise, and that's certainly where I got to uh, got to find out about you, Roger. But what, what's your backstory? You know, how did you, you know, what were you doing in the good old days? You, you, you didn't join Precise Mortgages at the age of 16, did you? No, no, I didn't. So my my story is I came from the northeast of England, from Teesside, from Middlesbrough. Uh. So we our hashtag is UTB, which is up the borough. <laughs> um, I left school and I went into engineering and it was Mrs Thatcher, um, her coming up to Teesside. There was an iconic picture of her on the wastelands. Well, that was my factory and it was taken outside the window before it was shut down. <laughs> Um, I then moved into the fire brigade and I was a fireman for full time for 18 years. Do you know what? I never knew that. Yeah, really? 18 years decorated. <laughs> I won't mention, <laughs> won't mention the Bravery Awards uh, <laughs> live on here. It's far too embarrassing <laughs> unless you push me. We haven't got enough time for that. <laughs> but it was early on in that period. I, I did many things. I did carpet cleaning. I did landscape gardening, shepherding. Um, and I was even a funeral director for the co-op in my part time, the four days on, four days off. But about 20 23 I got the opportunity to learn to be a mortgage broker I did the two-day training and then went out that night um, writing mortgages which is pretty frightening what year was this set this would be about 93 right okay Um, and then what happened after that was I learned that knowledge was important so I retained knowledge I ran a mortgage desk and set up a packager about 95 And then about 2001, I had about 89 people work for me. And I suddenly thought, I was, the next person I'd taken on said, Rog, why aren't you full-time? Sorry, you're still a fireman here? Still a fireman, full-time fireman at the time. And I'd, you know, go to work between nights. I can say that now because I can't get into bother. (laughs) Um, And I had offices throughout the country. And this person inspired me to think, why don't I go full time, you know, work like every hour on mortgages? And I did. And we built up the largest independent um, 
subprime mortgage package in the UK at the time. We're doing we're doing about 120 million a month in subprime that's registrations. Big, that's big that's numbers, and that mm. was you know that was quite a competitive sector as well, wasn't it back then? It was very competitive, but we just focused on near prime. So if anybody wanted to give us a prime case, we would refer them to another packager and just explain we just did near prime customers, mm-hmm. and we grew really well. Um, I was very close to selling in 2007, but me being a genius, <laughs> held off the sale in the April, cashing the bank because Smart. September yeah. was going to be the move. <laughs> and I was in America in the August when the subprime crash had hit America. And then the Americans that were going to come over and and, um, and buy me um, changed their mind. Northern Rock went down and, in effect, the banking crisis mm-hmm. created yeah. and EM financial folded in the September 2008 and um, I was offered the huge opportunity to go and work for Affirmative Finance which had launched in 2004 through EM and work with Gary and Eugene who really were a life support for me you know when when you're tripping life it's nice to have people around you you soon find out who your friends are yeah. You certainly do, and, and those two guys, they were just incredible to me. Uh, we'd launched together, we were building a lender together, and then they were with me. And then I got the call from Pete Gwillem to come and do a start-up with Precise Mortgages, and at the time I was thinking, <laughs> I've never been headhunted in my life, it's got to be a <laughs> while. like? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really weird. It was, it, I, I wouldn't even return his call because I thought, <laughs> no one's ever going to headhunt me. Um and um, he rang me and said, Rog, I'm that bald headed guy you kiss at the events. And I thought, <laughs> that doesn't narrow it down. No, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't. And, um, and I went for the interview with Alan Cleary, and um, it's been the most magical 11 years of my life. Um, and all I would say to people is when you are faced with adversity, I was in 2008 and having to sit with 138 people who work for me individually and lay them off and try and explain that as one door closes, another one would open. Mm. It was a tough time, um, and it's a question of you've just got to believe that the next stage of your life will be better. Yeah. I got married done at the same month. Yeah. Not by Roger. But not by Roger. No, not by me. <laughs> no, but from the IFA firm I was working at, September mm. 2008. And it was just, it was like flick of a switch, wasn't it? Yeah. How quickly it all happened. Well, I, th- I think, d- just d- great CV, by the way, Roger. So much better than mine. Um, not hard. <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> but um, uh, let's just go back to that bit, because it does come up a lot. When you speak to industry stalwarts, we had uh, Rob Jupp on, I think, about mm. a year or so ago, and it, quite a similar story mm. in terms of what 2007, 2008 was like. And I think it's such an important part of the fabric of our industry that we, we should go back to those and just learn some stuff from yeah. that. The, take the positives, because obviously yeah. there's a huge amount of negativity around yeah. but there's a lot of positives about about um being resilient uh, uh and trying to trying to look for another opportunity so did you see that i think what caught a lot of people out in 0708 was the speed of it like you said you, you were in april planning on selling mm. holding off for september mm. and then 12 months later uh, laying everybody off yeah, what I would say is I, d- I definitely saw the speed of it because I was in America um, in the August when it hit America and I got back on the plane, came home and said we needed to lay off 50% of our staff yeah. and every other package around me said, this is mad, it's it's not going to be that bad, it won't be that strong or that deep but I knew how bad it was actually being in America and seeing it firsthand and we laid people off when there was actually not one lender had yet announced that they were having difficulty. 
uh, and we moved very, very quickly and we thought we'd cut over deep. And then we went to 75% of staff um, by about the November. But once the likes of... Um, it was GE, Colin had rang us the CU time. Colin Shave had said to me he would ring me when he felt it was over. And when GE were, were stepping out, I knew that was the time. Mm-hmm. And it was about doing all the right things mm. in the right order. And I would say to anybody in this financial services is it's not what you do then. It's two moves further down the line that you want to reappear in financial services. And if you haven't done things correctly, mm. appropriately and properly. And for those brokers that when we went down, we were still outstanding, say, procuration fees for, instead of chasing me and uh, harassing me, it was the opposite. They would actually rang me and said, Rog, we know this wasn't you. Are you okay? Are the family all right? And I cannot tell you just how much I was overwhelmed with mm. thoughts, gratitude, help, offer of money, support right. um, from people at that particular point. Really still is humble today, but... I was looking the other day on my phone, I must have about 16,000 different people's numbers and, uh, and and sort of email addresses. And over the years, you've had people come in over the 30 years that you've helped in different ways. You don't always realise when you've had a particular day that you can help someone, that that debt might not be repaid for another 20 years, but they will come back into your life. Yeah. So mm. think of the future, not just of that present time. Yeah, well, I, th- I think that's, that's, that's a great story. Roger, you know, I mean, I, you know, the misery of 2008, 2009 still rings very true with me. Mm. Um, and I think we've got to be very careful as brokers that these things can sometimes come out of nowhere. Um, you've got to, you've got to build your business yeah. correctly and, you know, you've got to be, um, uh, you know, build your network. And that's what you, effectively what you did. You, you had a massive network, which, yeah. you know, imagine if you didn't have that, yeah. what options would you have had? Probably very yeah. little. I think what I would say to any broker listening If you've never been through a recession, there is a recession coming. And it's about looking at your business. If you just do mortgages, at some point, those mortgages will disappear at some point in the future. Mm. And if you do and you have a correct business based on full advice and you do life, career, illness and accident, sickness and unemployment cover and GI, home insurance, and you've got a diversity in what you're doing and you're embedded into that intergenerational finances, Maybe mortgages may stop, but you might have the renewal income from GI if you've you've invested early on, and it's making your business as diverse as possible and just prepare for the next cycle that will come. We always have to have recessions. That's mm. what makes this business so special. But it's about really investing in your business and, and doing things right, as, as you do in the money group. Absolutely. absolutely. The, the, the sage of Middlesbrough. That's absolutely bang on the money, though, Roger. It is, and it will. There is a risk, and we saw this, I think, at the start of pandemic, that people have got lazy after mm. three or four really good years, yeah. mm. and then the mortgages stopped, and and uh, the industry got skint very, very quickly. Mm. So, plenty of warning signs out there. And I think what you just said there is very, very salient. So, what bring up to today, Roger? What, what are you seeing in in the market? What what is precise in one savings bank? What what it's very busy. Well, it has mm-hmm. been obviously up until maybe the end of the stamp duty. It's probably tailed off a little bit since yeah. then. What are you seeing as a lender? I think if you take this year, um, this year was up up certainly take first till till March. It was a residential market. It wasn't a buy to let market. Um, where I was priced out in Birmingham and Teesside, 
for for the first time ever a property would come on the market there'd be 10 people view it that day and six offers going in so that's not a landlord market mm. i've never seen that type of intensity since 2004 mm -hmm. so we saw that really sort of build to the end of march then we had the the stamp duty deferral and what we've seen then up until the end of June is the most intense period that most brokers will have ever seen in the residential market. Lesser so for landlords. A lot of landlords are being focused on the brilliant remortgage deals that appear to be coming across every different mm. lender's appetite. But now we've had the June period gone. I think a lot of brokers and a lot of solicitors were, were exhausted and they enjoyed the football, they've enjoyed the sun. And I think there could be a bit of apathy come in to people between now and the end of August, maybe just reconnecting, getting out there, holidays, uh, and the relaxation of COVID rules. But what you need to think about now is you've got to think that if the market does cool, once furlough has ended, what will be the opportunities? And this is where you've really got to invest your time in knowledge and education. Landlords are going to want to buy. We've seen a lot of landlords who are the dinner party landlords pull out the marketplace. Mm -hmm. Professional landlords grow. But the increased demand for rental properties is the highest I've ever seen. Rents are really starting to, to rise. So landlords will want to buy once the market is right. But you really need to understand the landlord's needs and requirements. And then when it comes to near prime, there was about, or shall we say, specialist customers, there was about 10 million created during COVID-19. You know, the self-employed were one year's accounts. People have had unsecured arrears. And I think that's where the OSB group, with Kent Reliance and Precise Mortgages specifically, will have solutions and mm. criteria to help your customers. So get upskilled, look at the opportunities, but make sure that you are ready for the opportunities that will come next. I think as well, it, it knocks on as well in terms of how, we were saying earlier about how brokers diversify and how they think during the processes and mm. stuff. That's where what, I'll use my own words here, what I would call a vanilla broker who basically only does the stuff that doesn't really touch the sides mm. can struggle is when you get a scenario that is outside of the norm. Mm. I mean, I've got a case going through with Kent Reliance at the moment, which has been smooth as you like, but 95% of lenders wouldn't have looked yeah. at it. Mm. And it was all to do with a marital split, and it was all to do with future income. Mm. It was all documented by court documents. Mm. But a lot of lenders wouldn't even entertain it. And it, it's all a case then, but a lot of brokers would, might not have gone mm. to the extent of saying, right, we're not going to give up. Mm. And, and that's sometimes the problem where... A lot of, bro a lot of brokers do, though. Uh, we are inherently lazy. I think oh. you made the point there, Roger, mm. um, that we just, you know, we, we, we've got ourselves in a very comfortable position, you know, yeah. 12,000 gatekeepers in front mm. of a £300 billion market. It's mm. not a bad position for us to be in. Uh, your point there, Stu, about, you know, it'll, it, it'll, I'm going to have to think about this case. It's not one for me. You know, low-hanging vanilla mortgages mm. aren't, aren't as common as they used to be. No. There's challenges everywhere. Yeah. No. And what, what I would say is two things. Low-hanging easy-to-do mortgages will be a thing of the past in five years' time as digitalisation and automation of mortgages become uh, embedded within society. You know, if you've got any doubts on that, think of a black cab taxi driver 10 yeah. years ago who never thought of Uber. Yeah. And going back to your very kind point about Kent Reliance, anybody listening to this have never dealt with Kent Reliance. It starts at the top, Dawn Murphy, who is the director of proposition and underwriting within Kent, her can-do attitude, her ability to say, 
let us understand the deal. Let's understand the positives, the negatives. Let's look at our criteria and policy. And even if it falls out of that, we can then refer that to our committee that mm -hmm. will look at cases uh, by individuals because as far as I'm concerned, it's individuals who buy houses and everybody's mm -hmm. different. And we do have that understanding and always at the heart of what we do, the end customer. Yeah. And thank you for that compliment. I'll certainly pass that back. Yeah. I mean, it just makes all the difference because mm. I think from, from the way in which the clients view it as well, for them to, because the trouble is what you try and do is that certainly from my perspective, sort of everybody else does it the same way, is that if you're dealing with a client where the case is particularly complicated, is that if you're finding when you're getting feedback from different lenders that it's becoming a bit problematic, is that you do feed that back to the client as you're going along, not to finite detail, but you give them an idea of, look, this is why it's taking a bit longer to, to get a solution. And from that perspective, you carry your client along with you during that process as well, then a bit more rather than what sometimes we get feedback from people who've used other brokers, where they've said, well, I haven't heard anything from a broker for three weeks. <laughs> and, and, that's the sort of thing that can make a difference, certainly that from makes, the client's perspective. Huge. We just picked a client up because someone rang a broker and the broker said, I can't speak to you for two weeks. I'm too busy. You know. Yeah. That's crazy. Anyway. Um, Roger, I read a press release a couple of weeks ago, which I fell for, hook, line and sinker. You've started your own bank. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. That, I have to admit that was a piece of genius marketing. <laughs> That uh, scared an awful lot of people <laughs> how well it came out because I got that many calls to say, oh my you God, you've left the USB group yeah. and you've started a bank. Um, in effect, there is an awful lot of truth in that. Um, it, it started um, with Peter and Tim. It was Peter Hart's idea from Mortgage Brain to actually bring a number of us together who were uh, promoting the requirements and need to give blood. And there's a group got together. We had um, Karen and Beth from uh, Bridging Commercial. We had Ian um, Cartledge from Mortgage Solutions. And we obviously had Andy and James from um, Financial Reporter. Um, and with this group of people and a number of others, we really wanted to raise the awareness of the need to give blood. One single donation will lose you about 640 calories so any sort of people over there that want to get beach ready fit, <laughs> start off by giving blood and don't have your biscuit. <laughs> Secondly, one donation can save three lives, three lives. But think of this. If one of your members of family uh, was unfortunately diagnosed with cancer, you always think, what can I do to help donate blood? Because it is part of the cure for the majority of cancers. Or... Imagine someone that you love was taken accident emergency and was involved in a car crash or had a baby and needed a blood transfusion. Can you look the surgeons in the eye and thinking, I've got credit in the bank, I've donated, I've made a difference. The blood bank now is needing more than ever to get as much as possible new donations because we have six and a half million people in the UK that are going to need some form of major interve intervention of surgery or cures and the vast majority of those will involve the need to give blood. So I ask you one thing, if you can either donate blood and if you can't for medical reasons or you're really frightened of needles, then at least promote the need to give blood because at this moment in time, it's something we all have to do. Well, what a great, what a great speech that was. Brilliant. I wasn't expecting that. 
Roger. What, so is it anything particularly triggered this from a personal point of view? Or? It was. As a young man, I was actually trained as a sort of paramedic just under that standard. I was, um, at the time, slim enough to go into <laughs> um, compressed car crashes. Um, this particular car crash was a car was upside down underneath a lorry. The lorry was actually carrying petroleum. And I went and stayed with this young lady in the rain and the dark who was severely trapped by this, this lorry. The potential at the petroleum could have exploded was was actually low risk but a lot of people were very concerned and she was losing a lot of blood and the only thing I could do is just keep the compression um, on a femoral artery and uh, we managed to get her out but only just and and she wouldn't let go of of my hand for whatever reason so I went to hospital with her and stayed outside because I promised I would be there when she woke up which she doubted she would and I remember saying to the surgeon I wish I could have done more and the surgeon just looked at me said do you give blood and I said, no. He said, right, well, that's the next thing you can do. Mm. You might not have gone to her directly, but at least the spirit of it will have helped to have done everything you can. And that started my journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and that woman, by the way, did survive and go on to have three beautiful yeah, daughters, brilliant. of which she promised to name her first daughter or child <laughs> It's not really me. a girl's name, though, is it? No, I think she called her Rachel, so it's a kind <laughs> of a nod to me. As close as you can get. Well, that's mm. a good story. How much have you donated, then? Have you... I'm I'm into me sort of sixtieth odd donation wow. at the moment. Um, so and nothing. In, in terms of promotion, where can we where, where can we find out about this blood bank? So if you go onto um, social media and we have a blood bank uh, web page on LinkedIn, um, yeah. and you look at there's there's an awful lot of social media feed and pages, but it's about registering on the blood bank website. And it's about donating, or at least if you can't donate, find somebody who's fit and healthy that you work with who isn't squeamish of needles and getting them to donate. Yeah. But please think about it, guys, because well, we'll, we'll give that a push when we launch the, the podcast uh, that you're on, um, Roger. So, brilliant. Thank, I, I feel like I could talk to Roger or Rachel, whatever his name is, for, <laughs> forever. <laughs> but unfortunately, that, that 18 minutes has flown by, Roger. Um, and you know how we end this top five albums of all time? I bet yours is very, very interesting. My first album was Omagoma from Pink Floyd. My next was my biggest passion was rock and roll. So Bill Haley, Rock Around the Clock, which actually yeah. was a 33 wow. album. That's the oldest uh, album nomination I think we've had. Mm, and, and then it was... Um, Genesis Duke. Yeah. It then moved on to uh, Meatloaf, Bad Out of Hell, written by the legendary Jim Steinman. And the last would be Abba's Greatest Hits. Who hasn't hasn't got Abba's Greatest Hits? We don't normally allow Greatest Hits, but because it's Roger, we're going to give him that one. Thank you. Brilliant. And I have seen a picture of Roger in his rock and roll outfit. You weren't supposed to mention that. that We can edit that out, honestly. Uh, Roger, fantastic. Thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. I know you're busy, um, but I think we could have done two hours there and not even even touch the sides of some of the Come back again. Come back again. Absolutely. I'd love to. Thanks, guys. Fantastic. That's great. Thanks so much for Roger. And um, also to yourself, Martin, for today as well. Um, If you'd like to come on to the LM Experience podcast yourself, if you've got an interesting story to tell, or if you'd like to give us an update on what you're doing in your job at the moment, you can contact us via the Twitter feed, which is at the LM Experience. And we'll be back soon with more episodes. Brilliant. Thanks, Roger. Thanks, Chief. Thanks for listening. And please subscribe and follow us on Twitter. And remember, there ain't no party like a highly regulated mortgage party. And your home may be repossessed if you do not keep up repayments on a mortgage or any other debt secured on it. Thank you.